Good morning. How are you? Welcome to the 10 o'clock class. We just want to welcome you and thank you for being here. And uh, we are continuing with our membership class. And this membership class is basically so that you start finding out what is Boomerang all about. What are we doing? Uh, what, are, where, what do we believe? Who are we? We talked a lot last week. I just kind of introduced uh, Nicole and uh, myself and what we had done to get to this place. And so we, um, hold on just one second. Oh, is it coming back up? Okay, good. <laughs> so anyway, we, uh, we just want to welcome you and get into this. Last week we talked about, and it's one of those classes where we need to jump right in or else we'll get behind. And uh, last week, actually, the Lord had me kind of spend some time in one area uh, talking about commitment to a body of Christ. So the first thing I want to tell you is part of the reason for this membership class and part of the reason for the class in general is you want to know where you're going. You want to know how you're going to get there. What's the vehicle? So I always use the example of an airplane in an airport. If you go, if you go get on a plane and you go to like Charlotte Douglas Airport, you don't just walk up to the first gate you get to and then jump on any plane because maybe you want to go to New York City. Well, that plane's going to San Francisco. So you're not just going to jump on any plane. You want to make sure that you know, all right, what's your destination and what's your route because I don't want five layovers. I don't want five stops in between here and there. So you, we want to make sure that we know where we're going, what we're doing, how we're going to get there. And that's part of the reason for this class is Where's Boomerang going? How are we planning on getting there? What are, what are the things that we're doing in the direction that we're headed? So one of the things that we said is when we do this membership class, and, and y'all have seen this as well, I think I've told each one of you this, is that no matter who walks in the door, just because they walk in the door, that doesn't mean that they're supposed to be at Boomerang. And, and we want to be very honest with that because if they're not supposed to be here, that means they are supposed to be somewhere else. We don't want them to be taken away from that place, and we don't want them filling a position that somebody else is supposed to be filling here. We want the kingdom to be running at top efficiency, and uh, that means that everybody is in the right place. It's kind of like... What if you had a car engine and you started moving stuff around and, you know, we put, you know, how about spark plugs in the exhaust? Well, that's not going to work too good. Or, what, you know, we had the carburetor going in into the wrong place well, or set the wrong way. So we want the right pieces in the right place. And God says that he has placed the members in the body. So we are not trying to get in there and tell God where he's supposed to put them. Well, he placed the members, so we want to make sure that people hear from God and then that they're in the right place. This first uh, class is talking about knowing Christ. This is really our first stop, uh, and the first thing that we need to do is we need to make sure that people have a relationship with Jesus. And then one of the things that we're doing that we put up, if you'll put up the uh, circle, there. one of the things that... I want to do is what we're trying to do at Boomerang is we're drawing in the community. We want to turn the community into the crowd here at Boomerang. In other words, they're not a member yet, but we want them to start coming. 
We want them to start attending. Then we'll want to turn them into members. We want to turn them into congregation. If you look at the top and the bottom of that graphic, you're going to see that they start coming together. Uh, they mean the same thing. So in other words, the unchurched and occasional, that's what's out there in the, in the community. The regular attenders, that's what we would call the crowd. Then we have the congregation. Those are people that have, that have joined with Boomerang. They're a part of us. Then we want them not just to be a part of us, but we want them to be committed members. Now this is what we talked about a whole lot last week. And then we want to move them on into even lay ministers and, and five-fold ministry, uh, bring them into the core. So this is part of our plan. We want to make sure that we do this. So part of the first thing that we do as a church is how can we reach people that are not going to church right now? Or maybe they just come on, you know, uh, what is that? Uh, CEO. CEO? Was it Christmas, Easter, and what's it? Huh? Christmas, yeah, Christmas and Easter only, thank you. I, I like that one, that's funny. Uh, so anyway, the basics for this class is this, that the church is a family. The church is a family. I would say, and you'll hear me say this again, a lot of people look at the church as an organization. We don't look at it as an organization. We see it as a living organism. It's a family. And that's one of the things that we hear the most at Boomerang that people love is, that, is almost everybody that will walk in the doors and walk out says, man, they will love you at Boomerang, and, uh, which is awesome. You know, that, what a great testimony because one of the major things you hear about the church today that's missing is love, which is the last thing that should be missing. We wanted to make it a priority. And so when people come in, they're like, they'll love you, you know, which is great. Number one, the church is a family. Number two, God expects you to be a member of a family. In other words, he expects you to be a committed part to the body. Uh, it, can you imagine, um, I'm trying to do something that's not too funny, but, uh, you know, what, well, what if you, you know, your pinky is a part of your body, but what if your pinky had a mind of its own and it's like, you know, you're walking this way and all of a sudden your pinky like jerks you back over here because it needs to be, it needs to get on board with what the body's called to do and the direction it's going. Well, that's the same way that every member in the body needs to be. You know, we don't need, we don't need people to always have a mind of their own that we need to get on board with vision, which is what we were talking about a lot yesterday in the leadership class. And then number three, this is huge. A Christian without a church family is like an orphan. Now that, the first time I heard that statement, oh my goodness, it floored me and I went, golly, that is so true because I know when we have been out of church early on, Man, we just felt so disconnected. Something wasn't right. What was wrong? It's just not going. And even though things might be going good in life, we were missing something. We were orphaned. We had orphaned ourselves by not committing ourselves to a body. So it's very important to have that. So we ask people to plant roots. You know, if a seed, if there's going to be life, then a seed has to go into the ground. And what has to happen to the seed? It has to die. The Bible says that. The seed has to die. And what that means is I'm willing to give myself to the plan of God where God tells me I should plant myself and I'm willing to give myself to the body like that. 
Okay. Now, so once you hear, so becoming a part of a church is a very important thing. It's a very, very important decision that people can make. And what they need to do is say, all right, Lord, where have you placed me? What's our place? And once they know that their place and where their place is, then they can say, all right, because you're telling me, you know, I might not know those guys over at Boomerang that well. I might not know them. I might not know all of their background, but I know you. And when I know that you've told me that's my place, then it's time for me to plant myself and trust you. Okay, And then a lot of times when people plant themselves in the church, this is what we talked about a lot last week, is they'll plant themselves and it's like blue skies and, and, and bluebirds singing and, and it's sunshiny outside and everything's cool and it's just nice. That's when they join, right? Everything seems so awesome. But the truth of the matter is we're going to have some storms sometimes. Sometimes the atmosphere at the church is going to change. Sometimes there's going to be stuff that we're, hey, we're overcomers. We're victorious. That means we're victorious over something. That means we're overcoming something. That means there's a battle. Well, sometimes it doesn't look all sunshiny, blue skies, and bluebirds singing. You know, sometimes there's stuff to go through, right? <laughs> there's sometimes there's stuff to go through and, and fight through. Well, sometimes there's, you know, things that you disagree with. But the question is, and this is why it's so important for people to get this from the beginning, did God place me there? If he placed me there, then this storm's going to pass. And I just need to relax, get on board, not be doing my own thing like the crazy pinky figure, and, and get on board and go on and keep on pressing in with my body, adding my supply as they go forward. So, the goal of this class is this, that I will commit myself to Christ and to the church family. Now, when I commit myself to Christ, here's something that I gain. And this is why commitment's important. When I commit myself to Christ, I am receiving citizenship rights and heaven and eternal life. So automatically, as soon as I commit myself to Christ, I have rights. It's kind of like we have the Bill of Rights in America. Well, you have heavenly rights, godly rights, as soon as you accept Christ. And they're awesome. He's, he immediately blesses you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He immediately sits you with him at the Father's right hand with Christ. He immediately pours out the fullness of salvation, which means healing, provision, deliverance, restoration, protection. All of these things are a part of salvation. So it's awesome. There's some great stuff when you commit yourself to Christ. When you commit to a church family, what we get to do is now join with Christ and we help change the world. Well, Brian, I don't see us changing the whole world right now. Our part of changing the world is to change Albemarle and Stanley County and to change your world in your home. You know, to help bring change to everything that you do. So we're changing the world in our peace. It's kind of like the pinky finger again. You know, just because the pinky finger can't see anywhere else but what's right around them doesn't mean that he's not doing anything. If he's actually committed to his part, then he's helping the whole body change the world.
And so what happens is that momentum actually builds and it grows up. And you actually, over time, you'll see that an organization that continues to do what they're supposed to do has an impact that's way beyond. It's, it's just like this. Even with the uh, Internet and our live stream, we're, we are actually contacting somewhere between about 8 and 20 countries a month on live stream. So we're touching people around the world from little bitty old Albemarle. Woo-hoo. You know, we're, we're touching people around the world and we're affecting people in the Bahamas. You know, in different countries that we have. We have some contact with a, a minister in Kenya. So there's, there's all kinds of stuff that's going on. Now listen, a proper church is not an organization. It's a living or, organism. Now the, our goal is to have a healthy church through balance. Okay, We want to have balance in spiritual things. A healthy church will grow. So when it's healthy, it will grow. Here's the thing, not all growth is healthy though. Think about cancer. In other words, just because you see a church out there growing, that doesn't mean that it's healthy. That just means that can mean a number of things. But we do know this, if a church is healthy, it will grow. You know, one of the biggest part and growth is not just how many people sitting in the seats. Growth is also what's happening in people, you know. I hear it all the time from you know, like I know Deb and Jeff and Tara and, and every, well, everybody sitting in here. I've heard where, I've heard where you have been growing in God and things look totally different than they did when you started coming. You know, we were having a conversation, you know, last week about how things would look different in the situation that y'all found yourself in had you not had some of these things going on in church and learning some things about God. So it's constantly like that that we are growing up, we're becoming stronger individuals and moving to new places. So, it, as a matter of health, one of the things that's important for me as a pastor, a shepherd, if you can imagine a shepherd, he knows the condition of his flock. And if I always see a shepherd as kind of sitting down on the rock, and all the sheep eventually come by him, and when they come by him, they, he picks them up and looks them over, makes sure they have no scars or rips or sores or anything that needs attending to. They don't have any bad stuff, so he'll, he checks them out and knows their condition. As a part of health and me helping to keep you healthy, I need to know where your spiritual condition is, what, what you're going through. We talked yesterday in leadership class about proper CPR, which is communication, partnership, and relationship. And we need to have that as well. So maybe, you know, think about a sheep. Uh, maybe I don't know when a sheep stumbles and falls and scrapes its knee as a shepherd, but I will know when I hear it start bleeding, you know, you know yelling out, you know, and, and I, I heard something hurt. You like that? So <laughs> that was pretty good, yeah. So, um, Anyway, when they start doing that, now I'm attuned to, hey, something's going on. So a lot of times, you know, if there's, if, if there's 80 adults in here, I can't keep up with everything that has going on in their life. And so the biggest thing that we need is I need communication from you on what's going on. Now, if you take those things and you just go, mm-hmm, and you bear, try to bury them inside, then I can't perform as a shepherd the way that I need to. I need, I need that communication. Well, as a part of health, I'm responsible for your spiritual health 
in a fashion. Ultimately, it's you and your decision, but part of my role is to help you become the most spiritually healthy that you are, that you can be, and to know that and help guide you along that path where spiritual health can go up. So one of the first things, what's the first thing in spiritual health that I need to know and be aware of is what's your, where are you at? I need to account for the member's salvation. So session one, we're talking some about salvation. This will be good for you. I know most everybody here, and I know most everybody's born again, but we're still going to go through it. What does it mean to be a Christian? Everyone wants to be happy, but real happiness comes from understanding and fulfilling my purpose in life. This is where real happiness comes from. You know, think about this. Uh, there's a lot of people that have, you know, they've, they've got money, they've got family, they've got all this, but yet they're still not happy. And a lot of times it's because they're not fulfilling really the call that God has on their life. We need to understand why we're here. Why am I here? Number one, God made me to love me. God wants to love you. God wants to love you. Number two, we were created to enjoy a personal relationship with God and to manage all the rest of God's creation. And this is a very important. We are created to manage all of the earth. Matter of fact, the verse says uh, we, are, we are basically to manage all of his creation. Well, that goes even beyond the earth. So we need to be praying about all kinds of things and managing. You remember he told Adam, take dominion over this earth. He told that, he repeated that multiple times, the blessing will come through you. you know, whether or not, and this is important for us to recognize, whether or not the earth is in good shape or bad shape is determined upon how his men and women on the earth are handling their business, whether or not they're managing it well. Number three, why am I here? So this is a purpose. If we're not actually fulfilling this purpose, then we're not as happy as we should be. We don't have the joy that we should have. We don't have the fullness of the life that God's given us. When we start to recognize these purposes and we start moving in them, learning how to and moving them, now all of a sudden our joy is made complete. Verse, uh, verse 3, number 3, when we know and love God, why am I here? When we know and love God and live in harmony with his purpose for our lives, it produces tremendous benefits in our lives. Here's some of the benefits, a clear conscience, life and peace, help with weaknesses, purpose, confidence, security, power and strength, fulfillment and freedom. Now, all of that sounds awesome, and you go through that, and you're like, yeah, who wouldn't want that? But here's, what's the problem then? The problem is this. Man has had a fleshly desire to be the boss and ignore God's principles for living. That's what happened in the garden. That's what's been happening in our lives up till this point on some, on some level. We've had a fleshly, no, I want to do what I want to do, right? And then, so how about this? Have you ever heard these statements? Well, I got to look out for number one, right? And we've lived this way, you know? And we'll do this, and, and if you don't think that you do this, how about this? Because if the first one doesn't get you, this one probably will, is, well, we got to be concerned about our family. We can't take care of everybody else's needs and problems. Well, what's that statement? You got to look out for number one. It's just you're putting it on the family. Now it's the same, same thing. Well, that's not love. You've got to do your own things. How about this? If it feels good, do it. 
And what you're ultimately saying is, regardless of what God says about it, if it feels right, let's do it, right? And then, uh, how about this one? It's my life, I'll do what, I'll, what I please. And those are statements, and you know what? I would say, and I'm just going to guess, that every one of us on some level has made one of those statements at some point in our life. That's sin. That, that's the thing, is putting aside God's stuff and doing what we want to do. You know, you can say it's my life, I'll do what I please, simply by being in fear. When you get in fear, you're saying, God told me to fear not, but I'm going to fear anyway. It's my life, I'll do what I please. So, you know, on some level, we've done these things, and it's all sin. So, all right, the Bible calls this attitude sin. So, let me... uh, I'm going to tell you quick stories. Ready? All right. So imagine that we're sitting in here and uh, everything's going so awesome at church. Lots of people are changing. Lots of lives are changing and everything. And we're sitting in here one Sunday morning and I'm preaching and it's going awesome. And people are excited. They're amen and they're hallelujah and they're getting, they're whoop whoop. You know, they're doing whatever they're doing because they're excited about things of God. And lives are changing. And then all of a sudden in the middle of the service on Sunday morning, the the cops just bust through the door, boom, like that. And they run up here, and they grab me, and they put me in handcuffs, right? And all of a sudden, everybody's like, whoa, what just happened? And they say, well, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I apologize, but uh, Pastor Brian, you know, he wasn't always a good pastor. At one point, he was out west, and he, uh, he robbed a bank, and he said, they said, it's been a while, and the robbing the bank wasn't that big of a deal, to us now, but what's important is that during that bank robbery, somebody got killed, and Pastor Brian was responsible for that, and uh, so we've been looking for him for a long time. We finally called him, and so now, what are y'all thinking? Oh my gosh, who is this? And by the way, I never lived or worked out west, so y'all are safe, good. So, but let's say that they, that uh, Somebody went, man, well, that might have been who he was, but that's not who he is now. You know, we, we've seen how much good he's doing. And let's say that, uh, let's say that Jeff says, you know what, officer, I, I really, you know, I, I just, you got to understand, he's helping so many people now. And I know that's just the past. Why can't we just leave that in the past instead of you take, he's really helping people now. He's doing what he needs to be doing. That was, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Look, why don't we just forget about it now? Because that's, that's not even who he is now. And, uh, so, and, and they said, well, that would be fine, except, you know, here's the thing. That person that, killed, that got killed, they had a life to live that they now cannot live. And there needs to be a punishment for that. And so he says, man, and so... Everybody's sitting there, they're sad and everything, and you know, and they're about to take me out, and then Jeff says, you know what, I believe so much in what Brian is doing that I, I, want, to, I want to do something, you know, I, let me take his place. Let me take his place. I'll go to jail, you let him do what he's doing. And the, and the cop thinks about it for a second, and he says, he says, here's the only problem with that. He said, you have had your own stuff that we probably don't know about. You've had your own sin. 
He said it really needs to be that life that still had to be lived was a life that would have been, uh, that had the potential to be innocent. We would have to have an innocent life to take the place. And so Jeff thinks about it, and, and uh, he says, you know what? I believe in so much of what Brian's doing, I'm going to give you my child, and you take my child so that he can go free. And so he goes, he goes, well, let me think. Okay, this, that's what we'll do. And he says, set him free. So now I'm free, but he takes Jeff's child. Now see, that seems kind of a ludicrous statement, except that's exactly what God did for us. That's exactly. And at this point, you know, I hadn't really engaged Tara in this, but what's Tara's thoughts about the child? about Marcelina you know she's like that's great you think that all you want to Jeb but you know but she's thinking man and so I continue on and I continue preaching and everybody and you know let's say it goes for another year or so and then I'm sitting up here and I'm preaching and everybody's like yay good job Brian that's awesome now what's Jeff thinking about he's thinking about his daughter He's thinking about all this is great and it's good and Brian's able to do that, but he wouldn't be able to do that if it weren't for my daughter. And so if I was going to honor and esteem what he did, what should I be giving glory to and living my life for? For his daughter, for his child. And the same thing that we need to be doing for Christ. See, we have this attitude called sin. We need, what's the solution? Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14, 6. Here's, here's, the que- here's another story. Let's say that, all right, I'm going to let you get rid of sin and I'm going to bring you to the place uh, of no sin and fullness of salvation. I'm going to bring you to that place. All you got to do is one thing, all right? You ready? All you got to do is go out to California and get on the beach and then go out into the water and start swimming, and you can swim to Hawaii. That's it. Just swim to Hawaii. You know, if you can do that, everything's forgiven, right? Now, here's the, here's the problem with that. I'm not Michael Phelps. <laughs> I might go a few hundred yards, maybe a mile, maybe, and then I'm going to be like, Where'd that beach go? I need to turn around and go back. And I'm telling you, I've flown out there to Hawaii before, and it was five hours flying as fast as we could fly. It's a long ways out there. So here's the thing. I I don't care if you are Michael Phelps. You ain't going to make it to Hawaii. It's not possible to to swim that far. It's not going to happen. There's only one way that it can happen when, for us to have the sin uh, released completely and to make it into the kingdom of God. And it's free, actually. It doesn't cost us anything, and that's through Christ. He said, I'm the way. Because no matter what you're going to do, no matter how good you are, you can't get good enough to be forgiven. You can't be good good enough to be forgiven on your own. You have to have the grace and mercy of God. And no matter how much you try to swim to Hawaii, you're not going to make it. No matter how much you try to get in God's graces with all your good deeds, it's not going to be enough. 
You already have sin. You already have sin in your life that already disqualifies you if it wasn't for the love of a father to give his son. What does God want me to do? Number one, admit that God has not been first place in your life and ask him to forgive your sins. You remember the thieves on the cross. They were getting ready to die. They knew it. And yet, one of them had a good attitude and one of them had a bad attitude. The, the one with a good attitude, right at the end of his life, right at the end of his life, said, you know what? Humbly, he said, just will you receive me into your kingdom? And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today. All it takes is the right attitude. Admit. Oh, you know what? Lord, I messed it. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from every wrong. What does God want me to do? Number two, believe that Jesus died to pay for your sins and that He rose again and is alive today. Romans 10, 9, If you confess that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Number, uh, number three, what does God want me to do? Accept. Accept God's free gift of salvation. Don't try to earn it. Remember, you can't swim to Hawaii. You can't swim to Hawaii. You're not going to make it. So don't try to make it. Just accept that I can't do this on my own, but God... Jesus has already paved the road to Hawaii. Jesus has already paved the road, been the bridge from me to God. There's no way I could jump this great big divide, this great, this great chasm. There's no way I could jump over this great big canyon between me and God. But Jesus already built the bridge. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Don't try to clean up first. You know, that'd be like us going and working out, you know, for uh, three or four or five or 20 years trying to build up our swimming skills to get to Hawaii. It's too far. You're not going to have enough energy in your body. Your body will shut down before it gets there. You're not going to be able to swim to Hawaii. Don't try to clean up first. Matter of fact, you can't clean up the way you need to without being a part of God first. Just let Jesus love you first. Remember, a car, you can have like the hottest Lamborghini off the line I mean the best Ferrari that I just man I saw a car I report it said zero to 149 in first gear I went woo doggy and it looked sweet too right but here's the thing that car can be the greatest thing but without any fuel in it it ain't going anywhere and the love of God is your fuel and without that you're not going anywhere for it is by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. What does God want me to do? Number four, invite Jesus to come into your life and be the director or the Lord of your life. John, 12, uh, John 1, 12 through 13 says, To all who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. All we need to do is trust him to save us. All those who believe this are reborn, not a physical rebirth, but from the will of God. If you later become members, which most of you already are, but still I'm going to ask you again anyway. Uh, uh, 
I need to account for your relationship with God. And so I just ask you, do you know God as your Savior? And even if you don't, even if you're questioning, like, you know, I don't know, that's an okay answer. Well, you can know right now. So do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Amen. Do you know? Amen. 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 Yes. Amen. Good. Thank you. Amen. Good. Amen. Amen. Good. Yes. Amen. All right. Well, Lord, we just thank you so much. Thank you for a room full of believers this morning. We praise you for it. We thank you for it. And Lord, we just ask you to bless today's service. Thank you for your word. And Father, thank you for your son. We couldn't get there without him. And Lord, we needed him. And you didn't have to do it, but you did. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Good.